All right, as I mentioned earlier, we're starting our series, uh, our look at the weeks. I had a preview message last week that I did on uh, box office wisdom and matching up, the importance of matching up uh, the ideas you get in culture with the scripture. Uh, this is, this is the, the first week we're looking at the theme of a movie. What we plan to do, what I plan to do each week is look at the main themes of some of the movies that are out this summer, and then look at what the Bible says about those themes. Uh, we, we like movies, especially when the theme resonates with our own experience somehow, some way we can connect. We can identify with the characters, either their background or their style or their difficulty that they're going through, or there's a triumph, and we, we really we want to triumph, so we're with them. You know, what pulls us into a movie and helps us connect is there are common themes that we deal with in everyday life that show up on the screen, and we get into it, and we can identify with it. Um, if we can identify with those characters, we get drawn in. That's the way it works. One popular movie theme that keep com- it keeps coming up over and over again, and it really resonates with, with us, is the theme of redemption. This is Redemption means that you're rescued, you're delivered, you're saved. And we see movies all the time where someone is in dire circumstances, or the world is about to end as we know it, and the world or the people involved are delivered from doom, and they're saved. And this, this pumps us up. I mean, some of the movies, they pump us up, and some of them, they, uh, they warm our hearts. But we're, we're thrilled when things are made right at the end of the story. It's because redemption makes a good story great. And the reason that is because it matches such an important part of our our understanding of reality in our hearts. We we live in a fallen world, Scripture says. And what what you find in the Bible, if, if there were four major statements I could make about the summary message of Scripture, is first of all that God loves you and I, and he wants us to experience the best kind of life we can. But, statement number two, rather than going God's way and, and living life with him the way that he wants us to, every one of us began to sin. We began to go our own way, and we decided to live life independent of him. So this, number three big idea, separates us from God. So instead of knowing the eternal life and the freedom he wants us to experience. We're actually experiencing spiritual death. We're cut off from him, knowing him personally. And uh, we're in bondage to our fears, for instance. We're talking about that this morning. We're in bondage to things. To remedy the situation, God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. But according to Scripture, the world we live in is fallen. It's fallen from the way God made it. It's not out of his control, but it's fallen as a consequence of our decision to live life independent of God. And so it's not, what we experience is not what God 
intended for us to experience. What God is doing is he's working through history to bring, to bring redemption. It's, he's been working from the day we fell, the first man and woman, when they decided to sin and, and all these consequences, the consequences of pain and difficulty and trouble and suffering. When they entered this world, since that time, God has been working to redeem it. He's, he's throughout history making a way for us to be restored and for the world that, that we know to be restored. So when we see a theme on, on the movies that's about redemption, our hearts resonate with that because we long for it. We long for redemption. Look at Romans 8. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors. We're a part of that creation. Groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, those of us who have decided to follow Christ, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the, uh, the adoption, the redemption of our body. We're, we're longing for redemption. So when we see a movie that has this theme, we can get into it. We can get behind that. It resonates deeply because we know something's wrong with the world. We, we know this, and we want it to be made right. There's, there's something in us. It's a part of the image of God that he's put in every human being. We want justice. We want things to be made right, and we long for that. We want relationships to be restored. We don't want them to fall apart. We want problems to be solved. We want the bad guys to get their due. And so when we see this on the screen, we're like, yeah. That's, that's what we want. So this, this is a, a common theme in movies. When a screenwriter resolves a problem and makes the world right again, the way he or she makes the world right again tells you how they think the world's going to be redeemed. Last week I did a preview message about how to recognize real wisdom, and I gave you a handout in the program this week that you can look at on your own. It has great questions for uncovering the message of a movie, the values statement in a movie, and how to compare the worldview of the movies with Scripture. Great questions asked. You can practice on the movies uh, this summer with that if you'd like. But it, it makes it fun for me to watch a movie and, and to think it through and to try to decide what... What's the screenwriter trying to say, and how does that match up with what I, what I know of Scripture? It also encourages you to get into Scripture, because um, if you're going to recognize real wisdom, there are all kinds of ideas floating around in our culture. If you're going to recognize real wisdom, box office wisdom must match God's Word in order to be real. That, that's how you decipher whether or not it's real. That's what we find out. In this series, what we're going to do is match the themes of the movies up with what the Bible says about them to help you understand and contrast with the movies and, and their themes and the wisdom you find in Scripture. Now, I don't, I don't want to be a spoiler I, you know, because I, just, I don't want to get beat up after I do a message. If you haven't had a chance to see the movie, I really don't want to tell you too much about it. So I'm not going to talk about the movies themselves. Um, but we're going to look at the themes 
And I also like to say I'm not endorsing the movies uh, and don't even plan to go to all the movies. Uh, there's at least one of the movies I won't go to for sure. Uh, but the theme in that movie and the themes in this movie, these movies are what I'm talking about because these are what, these are, what are floating around in our culture. And so we're going to deal with the themes. Uh, we want to look at the themes and God's way of resolving the issues that are presented. Today we're looking at the, the main theme from the movie Super 8. I did see this movie. It's a movie about dealing with unexpected and overwhelming circumstances that strike fear into a small town in Ohio. And here is a little move, uh, video clip that you can watch. J.J. Abrams, the screenwriter, he's talking about the movie, and you get a feel for what it's all about. story is about this thing that's being transferred from Area 51 to a base in Ohio that escapes. And with Super 8, JJ made a movie that's uniquely very new and also really intriguing. I can't tell anyone. He's got the sci-fi genre blended with this amazing mystery. An eastbound freighter derailed what the cargo was on that freighter. We don't know. The train's been derailed, and um, from that accident, oddities occur throughout the town. It's just mayhem everywhere. Working under J.J. Abrams is amazing. I want to be able to see your face. We don't have to look at him. I think what makes J.J. really unique is his extraordinary sense of camera, lighting, composition, storytelling. He's one of the best narrative storytellers around. We've got calls from people who found local dogs, but the calls coming in aren't local. Lucy! It's like they all just ran away. There's this element of intrigue and deep mystery. It's a tip of the hat to some of those early Spielberg films. Colonel, there isn't anything else that I should know, is there? I can assure you the answer is no. There's something else going on. Do not speak of this. If you do, they will find you. What I hope people come away with is that they love the characters and that you get all the action and suspense and pyrotechnics that a summer popcorn movie delivers, but that there's a heart to the film that is the most important part. I saw it. No one believes me. I believe you. There it is. There's a definite theme to this movie. I, I enjoyed it. Um, there, there's a, a suspense, thrill, scary aspect of the movie that I, I had a hard time really taking seriously because the characters were so lovable. The guys who were going through it, they were kind of they were kind of fun. But it's it's really the theme is about dealing with fear and, and unexpected circumstances, and that's something we all deal with all the time. We, we deal with fear. It's something we can relate to. We face all kinds of fears. Worries about our kids, if you have children. Our finances, or lack of finances. The economy. Our health. Our kids' health. Relationships. Struggles in relationships. Or the lack of relationships. Or am I going to be able to do a good job? Or can I handle this responsibility in ministry here? Is this, is this going to go, okay, will, will I lose my job? Will I get a job? Will I, how, how, we have all kinds of fears that we're dealing with. 
And I bet you have some fears that you're dealing with today. Some things as I bring up this subject of fear, as I, I ask you this question, what is your biggest fear right now? As, as we begin to talk about fears, what is the number one fear that comes to the top of your mind? If you're taking notes, write that at the top of your, your outline, your biggest fear that you're dealing with right now. If you're, if you're not, just make a mental note of that, your biggest fear. I, I, I know you, you have some fears you're facing if you're like me. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at what the Bible says about dealing with fear and, and applying that. First of all, we're going to launch from a fearful story in the Bible. Matthew 8, Jesus gets in a boat with his disciples. He wants to cross the Sea of Galilee and go on the other side. And I believe he's going to a retreat. I didn't check this morning, and for some reason I can't. It doesn't come to mind right now. But I think he's going to a retreat, trying to take a break. So that they get in the boat, the disciples follow him into the boat. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over in the boat. Waves are coming into the boat. It's a little. It's a fishing boat. Jesus is sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, "Lord, save us! We're, we're going to drown." He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it, it was completely calm. The men were amazed, and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, here's, here's at least four sources of fear for the disciples in this story. First one, unexpected problems. The storm comes up out of nowhere, and this is like life. Unexpected problems come up out of nowhere. And we really shouldn't expect every day to be calm. We shouldn't expect life to be calm. The scripture is very clear in telling us we should expect trouble. We, we shouldn't be surprised by trial and trouble, but it's going to come. But unexpected problems crop up. Overwhel- overwhelming circumstances are the second source of fear. Waves are crashing into the boat. And I read that just a few years ago on the Sea of Galilee, 16-foot waves cropped up. And this, this happens every once in a while, just huge waves on this sea. Uh, and it, they're crashing into the boat, and they're overwhelmed by it. Inadequate, this is another source of fear, inadequate resources. How are they going to deal with this? I mean, they're in this little boat. They're not equipped, really, to fight through these waves. And there's no way that they can navigate this little boat through these waves. They're, they're, they're overwhelmed. They feel like they don't have the ability to deal with it. And they feel abandoned and alone. The fourth source. Jesus is sleeping. He's, he's, he's conked out. He's tired. He's been ministering and teaching and helping people. So he's tired. Well, what the disciples do is they wake Jesus up. And he calms the storm. And they are amazed at his power. This is when they begin to realize who he is. Now, all along, I'm sure they began to get glimpses as they've been living life with him. They begin to get glimpses of who he is. But until now, they had followed him with a certain level of uncertainty, a good amount of uncertainty. And at this point, they begin to realize, 
wow, who is this? This must be God. And what we learn from this story is God, God uses the overwhelming circumstances in the lives of the disciples. He's using that as a test and a, a training tool. He's trying to teach them. It's exactly what God does with the circumstances. If we cooperate with him, if we work with him, he uses fearful, unexpected problems and circumstances to, to really grow us, to develop our faith, to teach us more about who he is and more about how life works under his leadership. That's what he wants. And if we learn to trust God, we can face the future and our fears with confidence. We, we can learn to do that. Jesus used this circumstance, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Well, I think everybody in this room, I understand it. <laughs> They're in this little boat. Ooh, but he's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Choose faith. Faith is the best response to fear. It's always the right response to fear. It, it's the best response to fear. God wants to use these overwhelming and challenging circumstances in our lives to expand our faith. But we have to choose that. We have to cooperate with him. We have to allow him. We have to trust him and allow him to do what he wants to through these circumstances. What we have to do is turn to him and not our own strength or anything or anyone else. We have to turn to God in the midst of our circumstances and trust him. Look at Psalm 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. We will not fear, because God is our ever-present help in times of trouble. In the movies... We see people dealing with overwhelming circumstances all the time. Where the characters run for refuge tells you where they're placing their faith. Who they go to, who they run to, how they handle it. They, a lot of times they go inside and they want to find the strength in themselves to deal with this. Sometimes they run to somebody who has a lot of power. However they handle it then that tells you where they put your faith. And it's the same with us. Where you run for refuge tells you where you're placing your faith. It's crucial for you and I to put our faith in the right person, in God himself, when you're dealing with the fearful circumstances. He's there. God's ever-present, Scripture tells us. He's right there, but he waits until you invite him in to your circumstances to get involved. He will not force his way in, but he waits for you to invite him in. He'll let you handle life on your own. And that's, that's part of the reason, that's the reason really we live in a fallen world, because we've all decided to do that one at one point in our lives. And we need to choose now, if we decide to follow Christ, what it means is, you choose to invite him over and over again into your circumstances, into the situations that you're dealing with, and learn to handle life his way. The rest of this message this morning, I want to talk about how to do that practically. 
How, how do we invite God in? How do we run to him for refuge and trust him? Here are some practical ways or steps that we can take to find refuge in God. Uh, first of all, we face our fears with faith by crying out to God for help. That's number one. Cry out to God for help. He's there. He's waiting for you to ask him for the help. And uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Me, when I'm dealing with overwhelming circumstances, when I'm in fear and struggling with things, I have to turn these circumstances over to God all, all day long, over and over and over again. Because they keep, you know, I'm trying to do my work, I'm trying to have a conversation, I'm trying to do it, and they keep cropping up. And I, the way it works with me, and I, the, the, the idea in this scripture is, you keep handing it over to God, you keep presenting your request to God. God, there it is again. Boy, I'm, that, that is a real concern. Would you work in this situation? Would you... Help me here to do what's right. And would you use this circumstance for your purpose in my life and the life of everyone involved? We have to keep turning it over to God. Faith isn't denying your circumstances and hoping that they will dissipate. Sometimes we think if I don't, if I don't acknowledge it, maybe it'll just go away. It'll dissipate, kind of like a mirage. But faith is believing that God is bigger than your circumstances and he can walk through them with you and he can help you handle them. He has the power to do that. As you, as you deal with anxiety, as you deal with fears, let your fears lead you into God's presence. Let them take you to him. In fact, he's waiting for you to do that. He's just waiting for you to ask him for help. As we deal with anxiety, aggressively take things to God in, fear, in prayer. Usually what we do is we stew in our fears. We just boil in them. We just, it's just a stew. And our minds and our hearts, we're all mixed up in our fears. Instead, take specific concerns to God. Thank Him. Thank Him for who He is. Thank Him for His power. Thank Him for just His goodness. And then peace comes. But... You, my experience is I've got to keep turning it over because I, as I stew, if I'm going to get out of the stew, the way to get out of the stew is present my request, thanking God for what he's going to do through it, thanking for who he is, and then the peace comes. So I have to keep doing it. Isaiah 41.10 says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Recognize God's presence in the middle of your fears. Invite him into your circumstance all day long, over and over again. It's not just one, one thing you do. You punch the ticket and it's over. But you keep handing it over to God and asking for his help and relying on him. That's how you seek refuge in him. Second thing, remember the truth. It's easy to get into fearful circumstances and forget you lose your bearings and you forget the anchor, the, the truth that you can hang on. Dealing with fear for me is a battle, and I, it is for all of us. It's, one of the, it's actually one of the tools that Satan, the enemy, uses in our lives the most. 
to get us off track. And so uh, we need to deal with it like it's a battle, like it's a fight. Ephesians 6 gives us the armor of God. It gives us a list of the armor that God's provided for those who follow him to use to fight the, the, against the enemy. And it talks about the shield of faith in verse 16. Look at it. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What I say, what I take away from that is put up the shield, the shield of faith, which is God is good and he will not rip me off and swing the sword. It's the only offensive weapon in the armor of God. The sword is the scripture, the Bible, the word of God. You put up the shield and you swing the sword. In the midst of circumstances, you need to remind yourself of the truth. God is in control and he will not rip me off. If I trust him, if I do this his way, if I live for him, he will not rip me off. He will make it right. This, this is the shield of faith. It's, it's a piece of the armor that's described there to battle the enemy. with. When you deal with the fear of panic, when you deal with a, an attack, I don't know about you, fear attacks me. And I think it probably does you too. We have what they call panic attacks. When, when you deal with fear, when it attacks you, this is the time to use the armor that God's provided. I, a few years ago, I went to Raging Waters with my daughter and a friend and rode one of those, this was a really big tall ride with a tube, you know, you're in a tube and that spits you out at the end. And I, I love rides. I, I love roller coasters. I used to anyway. I, I've had some trouble lately. <laughs> I went to Magic Mount, Mountain with Lindsay one time. We've saved for it. We built up to it and we were going to go on 10 major roller coasters. I got vertigo on the third one, and the other seven were quite an adventure, let me tell you. I'd recover just in time to get on the next one. It was kind of interesting. But anyway, I'm in this tube, and I don't know what's going on, but different things are happening the older I get. And I'm in this this tube, and I get, I'm like, I'm in this little, all of a sudden, this fear grabs me, and I'm thinking, let me out of here. Okay, just let me out of here. And, you know, it spit me out at the end. I was really grateful. Then, then uh, a little while later, I got on a plane. I was going somewhere. And I'm in the plane, and I'm, I'm starting to think, oh, I'm going to be in here for three hours. This is kind of a tight. This is, I can't get off this plane for three hours. And then I realized, you know what, this is not, this is not a random thing. I think the enemy is trying to get me here. He's trying to use fear to sort of shake me. And so I began to battle. I said, on that plane, I said, God, I know you're good. You are not ripped me off. You will not rip me off. My life is in your hands. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The answer is no one. That's You put up the shield and you swing the sword. And you deal with fear that way. That's the way you battle. It's a battle. Fear is a battle. And they, they crop up constantly, all the time. And, and we have to be ready to put up the shield and swing the sword. God is good. He will not rip me off. And we speak the truth. This is what Jeremiah did. 
in, in Lamentations 3. The entire nation of Israel was, was falling apart in captivity. And this is what he says. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. He remembered the truth. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. You are faithful, God. You are good. You will not rip me off. This is how you take refuge in God. This is how you find his strength. Much of the strength, much of the perspective you need is going to come through the Bible, through his word. He's given us the word for this. If you're dreading something this morning, that's a, that's a form of fear. God, I know you're going to help me as I go about doing this. I know you're going to help me. Joshua 1.9. Have, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not fear, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God, you will not rip me off. Swing the sword. If you're struggling with fear and anxiety, Psalm uh, Philippians 4 is a, is a piece of armor. It's a sword that you can use to help you keep turning it over to him. Another thing to face your fears is to, to face the worst, but don't dwell there. Many times we're afraid to think through what we're going through and take it to the worst case scenario. Um, Job, in the Old Testament, a book in the first part of the Bible, he was going through some overwhelming circumstances, some unexpected problems. There was no explanation for them. And in the middle of those things, his, his wife said, Job, just curse God and die. Let's just end it now. Just why, why, even, why even hang on to your faith? And Job said this, though he slay me, Yet I will hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. He, he said, if the worst happens and I die, there's the next life. I'm going to meet God and I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to talk about this face to face. So think through, take the fears that you have. Think through the worst case scenario and rejoice in it. Decide what you're going to do if that happens. We, we hesitate to do this because we think that somehow denying the worst case scenario is going to keep it from happening. We, we don't have that much power. We aren't in control. God is. After you face the worst, move on. Don't wallow in it. Ask what if, what if, what if. That's what we tend to do, right? Take it all the way to its natural conclusion. What if this happens? Then this, then this, then this, and boom, I'm gone. What if? Ask what if, and with the help of God, say, so what? So what? The only way you can do that, the only way you're going to find the courage to do that, really, is to deal with death. The only one who's given us the ability to do that is Jesus Christ. So let Jesus set you free from the ultimate fear. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Like dominoes, if you can deal with the fear of death, the others fall. But you have to deal with this ultimate fear. The one who's given us the ability to do that is Jesus Christ, the one who calmed the storm in the middle of that sea. Jesus 
has the power of death. He said one time in John 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. I love the picture in that verse. If you believe him who sent me, you have eternal life. You, at that moment, pass from death to life. You begin to experience the rewards and benefits of the eternal life that God's going to give you in the future as you walk on through eternity with him. For God to go to grow courage in you and I to face the storms or fears in life, for him to use the circumstances that we're dealing with, the trouble that we're having in relationships, the fears that we're facing, for him to use those things, we have to completely trust him with our lives. That's what that word in that passage there John, on John 5, believe. It doesn't mean I just believe the idea that Jesus is a good guy or that Jesus, his teaching was good, or I just believe he was the son of God. I, I, I think it's a great idea. It's I believe to the point where I put my life in his hands, and I'm willing to live life his way. That's how you trust him. I'm willing to, I want to figure, I believe that he's who he said he is to the point where I want to trust him and follow him. If you haven't yet done that and you have questions about that, we really want to help you get to the point where you can believe him that much. If you're ready to, to follow him, you can let us know this morning and we'll do it. But this is what the disciples did when they began to realize even the winds and the waves obey him. They got a picture of who he is. Your ability to deal with fear is going to hinge on your answer to this question, who is Jesus Christ? And so if you have questions about that, please put that on the front burner. Make that your highest priority and begin to find out who he is and begin to get questions answered that you have about him. I'm going to wrap up the message this morning, and I'd like to ask you to think through your next step as a result of this message. Um, if you would, please take out your connection card and um, fill it out. Here's some suggestions. On the bottom of your listening guide, on the back of the connection card, these suggestions are there. You might want to memorize Isaiah 41.10. It'd be great, great sword to have in your mind to deal with fear. Uh, second step would be to trust God with a current fear, that fear that you wrote down. Trust God with it. Put up the shield of faith. Take some time this week. God, I know you're good. Would you work in this situation for your purpose? And, and find a verse. Find a piece, a sword that you can use to deal with that fear. But trust God with a current fear. And then for the first time, I'm deciding to accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as Lord. You may be ready to do that. If you're ready, we'd love to know. We'd love to send some stuff that would help you with that decision uh, as you make it. In a moment... We're going to be receiving our offering. I'd like to ask you to take, take this time to f- complete any information on the connection card you haven't had a chance to fill out. And when the offering comes by, uh, drop that in the offering. Uh, would you pray with me as the band comes up? Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word that really does set us free. It frees us from our fears. If we, if we completely trust you, and learn to battle and learn to turn things over to you and walk through life with you, we find freedom. Thank you 
Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done to, to set us free. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. And we, we ask for help in taking these steps that you've laid on our hearts this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.